Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out to week number 12 of my Purpose Singleness course. We're going to be talking about are you idolizing uh, marriage or relationships? I hope um, you guys are doing exceptionally well. Um, this, this topic here is going to be a big one. It came from a good question from a young lady from last video, and I felt the release of the Holy Spirit to go ahead and tackle this topic. So hope you guys are doing exceptionally well. If you're watching this for the very first time, my name is Josh Rezzi, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and also to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. If you've been watching for the last 12 years, uh, two years, four days, or however long you've been a subscribed uh, person to my channel, just want to say thank you all so much for subscribing and trusting me uh, uh, with, with uh, um, trusting me with your walk with God and helping you uh, uh, be coached in the right direction. And for those who's joining me live, thank you guys so much for joining me live. I'm going to go to the chat box, see who's all here. I don't see my chat going off, so I don't know if... Um, if something wrong with my chat, give me one second, y'all. Can somebody comment? Let me know we're good. Can y'all hear me? Everything's good. There we go. Princess, what's going on? I don't know if uh, I know we've been having some issues ever since the quarantine. Everybody's on their Wi-Fi. So I wonder if that's the issue. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Everybody's here. All right. I'm going to go to the live chat feed and I'm going to get right into today's discussion. Because it's a lot of information I want to give you to help you guys really process where you are and see uh, if you're idolizing the idea of marriage versus being an individual that's prepared for it. So let's go into the chat box. Princess, what's going on? Lion, lion. The humble one, what's going on? Good evening. Good evening. My two cents. Dorothy, what's going on? Kelly, hey, coach and family, we ready. I know I'm ready too. Let's get to it. Tristan, what's going on? What's up? What's up, Enoch? Christian under construction. Yo, what's up, fam? Jessica, what's going on? Joanna Nance, what's going on? Eldris, Idris, my bad. Uh, Fort Worth in the building. Oh, yeah, let me know where y'all watching from. JP Cool, what's good, brother? What's up, family? Jessica, we good and ready. Let's go. I'm ready, too. Amanda, what's going on? Says, hey, what's going on, Joanna? Praise the Lord. This is the disciple Thomas Live from Charlotte. What's going on, family? God bless you, too, family. He right up the street. Good evening. Good evening. <clears throat> George, what's up? Ju Juliet, Juliet, what's going on? Jenny, hey, hey, hey. Martha, yes, Martha, you're a Nigerian sis. Oh, what's going on, Nigerian from DMV? Holy Ghost, get it tonight. My wife in the building. Robert Lee Norwood, I did a one time. Virginia Beach, oh, everybody's in here now. Watching from Mississippi, Switzerland, thank you for watching. Trent, I almost said Timberland. <laughs> that's, Trin that's Trinidad. Uh, checking in from Maryland, have been waiting for this. Of, oh, wow. It's 2.30 in Kenya. Thank you for watching. UK in the building, Fort Worth, Detroit, Nevada. Watching from Haiti. Oh, oh, Haiti. Little Haiti in Florida. Come up by the side. He's in Haiti. I'm like, good job. Good stuff. Dorothy, Minnesota. What's up, coach? Watching from Sweden. Thank y'all so much for watching. Hope y'all are safe. Hope y'all are still sensitive to spirit. I hope y'all know that your faith, uh, um, I hope y'all are uh, know that God is real and he's able to preserve his saints. What's up, Detroit, Toronto? What's going on? But let's get right into it because I have a lot of notes and we're already three minutes in. Minutes in. Straight out of Will Brown Circle. Thank y'all for watching. Thank you. Louisiana, the building. Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about signs that you are possibly idolizing the idea of love or idolizing marriage. My main thought for tonight's lecture is idolatry is where all sins find their roots. My main thought for today's lecture is that idolatry is where all sins find their roots. My talking points are threefold. Today, we're going to be answering the following question or talking according to the following points. What is idolatry? Signs you've idolized the idea of relationships and marriage. Number three, how to stop idolizing marriage and relationships. Let's get right into the problem. Many singles are idolizing the idea of marriage, but are not becoming the individuals that are able to manage it. 
They love the idea of marriage more than the one that invented it. Many singles are idolizing the idea of love, but are not becoming, <clears throat> excuse me, the individuals that are able to manage it. They love the idea of marriage more than the one who invented it. Let's break that down. Right now, there are many singles. The reason why they are singles is because of idolatry. They idolize and love the idea of relationship and marriage more than the one that created it. God is not going to bless you with something that is already sitting in his seat. God is not going to take you to the next level or, or birth you or bring you to a place of promotion in regards to marriage or ministry or, or career if he knows that you love that thing more than him. The, 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 the worst person to lie to is yourself. Self-deception is rooted in idolatry. And Many of us are completely unaware that deep down in our hearts, we idolize both previously or currently or eventually will be idolizing the idea of love versus being interactive with the person who is love. Many singles are idolizing the idea, keyword idea idea, the idea of something can be an idol. Uh, many of us, we have the idea of what a relationship uh, and it comes. You, the worst place to be is, an, is, is idolizing an idea with our interaction. There's a lot of people who have a lot to say about something they have no experience. They have a lot of opinions of something they never had the opportunity to embrace. Never speak on something that you never experienced. A lot of people are head full of what they think marriage is or what they think relationships should be or what they think life is, but don't have a track record of experience to actually speak on it with a level of understanding, a level of poise, a level of wisdom that garners, uh, uh, that should enable us not to speak at all. And, and, and a lot of singles are, are caught up in this fairy tale idea of love, the idea of marriage. But in that time frame, they are not becoming the individuals that they need to be to actually manage it. Many singles are idolizing an idea, the idea of marriage, but are not becoming the individuals that are, being, that are able to manage it. They love the idea of marriage more than the one who invented it. Listen, never get so caught up in loving something, loving what was created more than you love the creator because your love for a thing will determine how you manage a thing. If your love is in its proper order, you will be able to actually process or manage what it is that you desire. If you love God first in loving him, you will be able to become a person of love. You won't be able to know how to do love as a verb until you understand and know the person who was loved as a noun, until you uh, recognize who you are in him, a pronoun in that noun, you won't be able to uh, manage or execute love effectively. And a lot of people are intoxicated in the imaginary uh, state and, and, and not becoming the individuals that's able to manage it. Now, what is idolatry? Let's get to some definitions, one definition particularly. The definition of idolatry is an extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. Idolatry, by definition, is an extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. God said, I have it in Exodus 23 through 6. He this one of the Ten Commandments, and, 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 it, and it perpetuates throughout our lives now. And because of what Christ has done for us and fulfilling the law, we're now able to fulfill our purpose and we're able to really put things in their proper order, have the right perspective. And because we love him, we are able to keep his commandments. The Bible says, you need or that is in the water under the earth. You should not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord your God and a jealous God. 
This text is very profound, even though it's rooted in the Old Testament, it still have some uh, evident truths that we should live by and at least be uh, uh, cognizant of and really process where our hearts are. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Key word, gods. Anything that you uh, extremely love or, oh, say definition again, I got you. And for those who want the worksheet where you're able to, to, to download it, you can go to my website right now, lifework.teachable.com. Go to um, uh, the Purpose of Singleness course, register, sign up, and go to today's lecture, and you'll be able to print this whole document down um, for you to process. And here are my notes that you are able to have with you all the days of your life. But to repeat the definition for you, my friend, the definition is an extreme admiration. Love or reverence for something or someone. An extreme, keyword extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. In Exodus 23 through 6 says, you shall have no other gods before me. The law, the Ten Commandments was put in place to let us know that we are incapable in our own strength to meet those commands. And it revealed to us our desperate need for a savior. Jesus came into the scene to fulfill the law. And Jesus even said in one of his messages, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He also talked to a young man and said the young man was bragging about how he keeps the commandments or it was talking about the commandments. And Jesus said, if you love Love God with all your heart, uh, soul and spirit, etc., and love others as you love yourself for all commandments rest on these two. Now, are we bound by these commandments? No, because we're in our own strength. We're incapable. Jesus fulfilled it. But going from that, because of Christ, because of his spirit, we are now empowered to be able to fulfill a life of righteousness, to fulfill a life of purity based upon our sonship and daughtership. And so what this Ten Commandments, the top two, lets us know is that we are prone to idolize. We are prone to have idolatry. Right now, all of us are wrestling with some form of idolatry. We are all wrestling with some form of either putting God, putting something before God, uh, uh, embracing something before God, or removing something that's before God, or being revealed or having or uh, the Holy Spirit revealing to us what we have before God. It's an ever-ending process that we have to ensure that we embrace and something we have to be cognizant of to ensure that we are not constantly putting our ministries, putting our marriage, putting our ideals, putting our philosophies, putting our politics, putting our pastors, putting our money, putting our anything above God. He says, you should have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself a graven image, a carved image. And many of us, our idols may not be made out of hand or clay, but some of our greatest idols are made in our minds. And what happens is we, we carve in our own minds an image of something to make us feel comfortable for our lives. And that's why he says, don't even create a graven carved image of me. <clears throat> because many of us will create a false Jesus to appease us, to help us sleep good at night that will justify our sins. We'll get so caught up and say, well, I don't want the real Jesus of Nazareth. I don't want the ascended Jesus. I don't want the real Jesus. So I'm going to create in my own mind, my own deity and put under, under that deity Jesus' name so that I can feel good about my life. That right there is idolatry. And many of us, we look at God as if you owe me this relationship, that 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 you, I deserve this relationship, or I deserve to be married, but we don't want to go God's route. And many of us, we are, are practicing habits to a God that we created in our own minds and put Jesus' name on. 
It says, you should have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You should not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. That is an attribute of, of, of God. God is the only one that can have righteous jealousy. You know why? Because God created everything. God has a right to be jealous. No, don't, don't, don't look at jealousy based upon humans' jealousy that's tainted by sin. Um, we're talking about a holy jealousy, an attribute of God, where God is saying, Yo, I can't believe or process. No, God, God don't have to process or believe. God is just looking at us and like, yo, what y'all doing? Do, do you not know that it's because of my heir? Do you not know it's because of my grace? Do you know it's not it's because of my son? Do you not know that it's because of, yes, it's an Exodus, that, that it's because of me that you have everything? And many of us, we just continue to practice uh, 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 spiritual adultery and, 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 and falling in love with ideas versus the individual who created the things that we endeavor to enjoy. That scripture for you, my friend, is Exodus 23 through 6. Jonah 2a says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. Now, what does that mean? Those who reverence their vain idols, their pointless idols, idols who cannot save you, idols who cannot keep you, the idea of marriage. Because many of us, we have a vain or many people have a vain idea of marriage, but then about time they engage it, about time they actually in a marriage, they realize that they wasn't ready. No, I wasn't ready for this. And many people are, 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 are building false expectations, deepening deep reservoirs of hope for that. If, if, if only I have a husband, if when, when only I get my wife, when only what's going on, y'all, when only I get my husband, when only I get that person, I will feel fulfilled. You have to be full before you can feel. And many people want to feel what a marriage feels like, but they haven't felt who God is. And that's very key. Everything has an order and a way for things to be able to process. But many of us or many people, we want something so bad without interviewing, consulting, uh, uh, um, having dialogue with people who are 20 years in the game, dialogue with the one that created the thing before the game even started, God himself, to be able to say, what really comes with this? And the word of God is very clear of the expectations of marriage. Do you even know what it means to be a woman that submit? Do you even know what it means to be a man that's sacrifice? Do you even know what it means to love like Christ loved the church? Do you know what it means to, 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 uh, to, to, to do what the word of God says about marriage? But most people have an idea of it. They could, they compare uh, people's photos of marriage versus saying, man, am I a perfect picture? Am I a person that's able to be in a picture of marriage? Let's keep going. It says those who pay regard to vain idols, pointless idols, forsake their hope and steadfast love. And when you begin to revere uh, uh, the idea of something more than God, who is the individual, then you remove yourself, not remove yourself because God's steadfast love is everywhere. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But you'll become mentally tapped out of what God's love is. And then you will get into pride, get into idolatry. And then you will find yourself in your own effort, in your own actions. And then you will find yourself messed up, jacked up at the end. 
Psalms 135, 15 through 18 says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. What this text is saying, do not trust in them, for they have no life. God is saying all the other idols, even a concept of marriage, even a concept of relationship cannot save you. I'm the one that gives everything breath. I'm the one that gives everything life. And if you begin to forsake me and, 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 and embrace what the world and what man has made or the ideas they have perpetuated through society to make you a uh, 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 vain and, and carnal and desiring for it, then you, my friend, will be just like them. You will be vain, you will be empty, and you will be almost worthless because you will find out at the end of a thing, like the prodigal son, that this life outside of the father's house is not everything that's crapped up to be. That when you find out, I'd rather for you to find out in your father's house and deal with your frustrations and stay at home than to be a person to leave home, lose everything, lose your inheritance, and then come back. Even though the father will welcome you with open arms, but look how much money you have wasted. Look how much of inheritance you have wasted. Look how much time you have wasted. Some of some people right now who idolize the idea of love, the idea of marriage, are five years in a marriage, and they and, and they don't even want to be in it no more. There's people contemplating divorce. There's people who got their lawyers and got the divorce papers already ready. And there's many people right now that can go all the way back to the moment they knew this wasn't it, but their desires and their carnality screamed louder than the truth of the spirit in them. And they settled for it anyway. And now when they begin to actually interact with their idol, they realize the idol is not sufficient enough for them. And then when they realize the idol is not sufficient enough for them, they have no track record, no, no understanding of who they are in God. So condemnation grips them and they have no hope. And the devils play with their minds, making them believe that God is in love them and now they're four, five, 50 miles deep in depression. And the devil loves when you depress and don't know, understand who you are in sonship or adoption with the father. And many people, I'm warning that, that, that idols can't do nothing for you. Idols are not sufficient enough. Idols are not strong enough. And what the word of God saying is, Psalm says, all the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands, concepts made by human minds. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see, uh, see. ears, but do not hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. What God is saying, they have no life. He's the one that gives life to a marriage. So if you don't have life, the life of God flowing in you, if you don't have God working in you, then when you step into a marriage without God, then that marriage won't have no life. And then both you and the individual suffocate in the process because you got the windows and doors closed to the breath of life, the breath of God to be able to give that life. Everything, business, entrepreneurship, marriage, money manage, whatever you want to do. If it doesn't have God in it, it is not alive. If you want your business to be alive, God has to be in the midst. If you want your marriage to be alive, God's breath got to be in the midst. You know for a fact if it's intimacy, you know, not intimate, you know for a fact it's of God when God is making it alive. But if you got to make it work. See, that's why in my marriage, I don't, I don't got enough strength in the world to make this work. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I rely on the third person. I rely on the person that's in the fiery furnace with me and my wife looking like the son of man. I'm relying on the one who's a present help in a time of trouble. I'm relying on him because in my own default state, I can't even, I can't make this work. Yes, I may have wisdom. Yes, I may have whatever, but all that stuff is nothing without the breath of life in it. 
And most people are interacting with their idols without the breath of the one that invented it. Not invented the idol, but invented whatever they have idolized. Colossians 3, 5, New Testament says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All those different things are idolatry. Like at my first point, idolatry is where all sins find their roots, meaning every sin, sexual morality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, whatever it is, greed, emotional instability, mental illness. Or anything that you can name, any type of component or byproduct of sin or sin itself, all find their roots in idolatry. God is the only one that can really make anything alive. Let's keep going. The definition of idolatry, again, is an extreme, extreme. There's nothing wrong with admiring things. There's nothing wrong with loving things. There's nothing wrong with revering or honoring a thing. But anything that you love, admire, or reverence more than God, that thing's an idol. God doesn't mind you desiring a marriage if you delight in him. God doesn't mind you desiring a, a success if you're if you're um uh, uh if, if if it's up under God. But the moment you put that thing number one. See, God must be number one and at the center of everything. Thank you for, I'll clarify. Mental illness when it comes to, let me make sure I make it clear. Mental illness when it comes down to um, the biological component could all, all boil down to chemicals, can all boil down to what we eat, can all boil down to different things. We're talking about mental illnesses that, that, that fall into the, the depression category where people find themselves disappointed from their false dependencies. A lot of mental illnesses, a lot of emotional distress, a lot of confusion. The Bible says God is the author of confusion. God's the author of clarity. And so it's hard to have a mental illness when you're clear about God, clear about life, clear about certain things. But there are a lot of toxic things within the climate of our culture that stamps mental illness on things that could be fixed by a change of diet, that could be changed by fixed by a change of exercise, that could be changed by clarifying who you are in Christ. Then a lot of those mental illness, double whatever could be cleared. Some mental illness are deruded and demonic. Now, I'm just saying a percentage. I'm not a doctor. I'm not sitting there saying I know everything about mental illness, but a lot of people's mental illnesses is rooted in false dependencies. A person that felt that made their dependency, that's right, fasting and prayer as well. Their dependency is in all these other things. And when that thing disappoints them, their mind falls into the depressed state. And since they don't know who they are in Christ or what Christ's open arms will provide for them, that person begins to try to cope with dope, try to cope with something else. And then those chemicals that's within those addictive substances cause even more issues. Let me know if there's any more sound. I saw someone said no sound. Can y'all hear me clearly? Let me know if y'all can hear me. That's right. Mental illness is the enemy and his demons call it what it is. That's right. Make sure you let me know if y'all hear any sound. Y'all can hear me good. Okay, great, great, great. All right. All right. So that's what I mean by mental illnesses. Um, all of us born into this world was born with a mental illness because we didn't have the mind of Christ. Our minds are ill because of its desires for uh, uh, idolatrous things, for desires for those different things. And most people, they try to cover it up. Be very careful when people prescribes uh, pills and other methods for the healing of a thing and not going to the one that can heal, who is Christ himself. So that's my clarity on the mental illness part. A lot of people's mental illnesses fall down, fall into the category or are due um, to false dependencies that disappointed them. So they fell into a depressed state. 
or people's uh, mental illnesses could be genetic. It could be biological based upon the stuff in our air, based upon the food that we eat, etc. Let's keep going. Definition, extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. And the point that I was saying before that was there's two things that we have to understand about God. God must be number one in our lives and God must be at the center. In order for that to happen, it's impossible in your own effort. In order for that to happen continuously, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to have his reign. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does best and allow him to reveal to us the little hidden compartments of this is idol number one. And for many of us, God is not even top 10. If we're really honest, God in our hearts are not even top 10 of the things that we love, top five in the things that we love. If God is number two, you are as worse as if God's number 10 in someone else's life. Because if God is not number one or allowed to be in the midst of everything, see, my wife knows she's number one, not number one, but my wife knows that she's the number one woman in my life based upon me allowing her to be in everything in my life. The moment I take her out of an area in my life, she's no longer number one. Now I'm hiding her from a place, pulling her from a place because of some other reason for some other woman. That's how you know if someone's number one, when you allow him everywhere. You know God is number one when you allow him to be everywhere. When you say, God, I welcome you in my life. I welcome you in my marriage. I welcome you in my uh, uh, in my business. I welcome you in my entrepreneurial endeavors. I welcome you. I don't want to keep you from anywhere because I need you everywhere. It's hard to keep out someone that you need. That's why I tell Phil, don't hurt your wife because if you hurt your help, you hurt yourself. You see what I'm saying? And so if you keep the help out, you hurt yourself. If you keep God out, then there's no breath of life wherever you wherever you endeavor to be. So you have to always consult yourself. Hey, man, do I have God number one in my life or am I endeavoring? Am I fighting for it? Am I cooperating with the Holy Spirit? And is God allowed everywhere in my life? That's why the Bible talks about it in John 3. It says, man, people avoid the light lest their deeds be exposed. But those who want to do exploits don't mind going to the light. God, <clears throat> I, where the light at, God? Show me because I don't want anything to separate me from your love. And what I mean by not separate from his love, but I don't want anything to separate us. And what we have to understand is, is that, yes, God has forgiven us positionally. And most people will talk about all of our sins have been forgiven. And, and they don't understand that's positional. Positionally, our sins have been forgiven, meaning that I am justified by Christ, that I can't go to hell because of God's goodness that drew me to repentance. But when it comes to relational forgiveness, positionally, I've been forgiven. All my sins have been forgiven positionally. So right now I am a son of God and I'm going to heaven, period. But when it comes to relationship, I need relational forgiveness because I'm whatever I'm doing is hindering fellowship. So it's like with a son or daughter, not son or daughter, but a father and son or a mother and daughter or a parental relationship with a child that nothing can separate that child positionally from, from that parent because that, that's their child. But relationally, there could be uh, um, hindrances. And until that child goes back and says, you know what? I apologize. I, I agree with you. I repent. And I agree with you that I was wrong and I need you in this area. Then that's when the Holy Spirit will begin to open up ways for us to go forward. So positionally, we are forgiven, but relationally, we have to constantly be aware of what we're doing, asking God to forgive us for, for thinking this way and hindering fellowship and grieving the Holy Spirit so that I'm now able to flow at a higher level of efficiency, a higher level of effectiveness 
And so that my marriage can thrive. Anytime I have a wrong thought, anytime I have a, anything with my issue in life, I go to God. God, I, I can't believe I thought that. Oh, Lord, I repent for that. Help me to see differently. Help me to be positioned differently. Help me to perceive this differently towards my wife, towards the ministry, towards everything, because I don't want to uh, ignorantly or understandably practice anything that's hindering anything between me and you, God. And that's what we got to understand is that he has to be number one. He has to be at the center and you have to be willing to say, God, I welcome you in this place. I welcome you in everything. And that's when the word of God says that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, that because he's everywhere. See, God is everywhere, whether you want him everywhere or not. But it's our recognition of his presence and our understanding of his who he is that causes the walk wisely. Each and every one of us reveres someone that when you with your friends, you will act a certain type of way and you won't change your behavior. You may cuss, you may do other things. But when someone that you revere walks in, you tighten up, you talk different, you move different. Why do we have so much respect and reverence for a man than we do God and who God can see everything? Don't don't put your like I got people that will come around me. They'll, they'll If I'm around, they'll hide their cigarette. They'll change their verbiage. They'll do whatever. And I'm like, I'm just a preacher. If you if you changing up because I'm a preacher and you didn't put the cigarette away, you didn't put the drink away, you didn't change your language before God who sees everything. The reason why people revere people more than they do God, because punishment of man is more prevalent than the eventual punishment, which is hell. And so people don't don't revere God because we've been cookie cutter into believing this fairy tale ideology that God's love is not balanced by his wrath. And what I mean by wrath, we're talking about the wrath that's compounding on all non-believers or for believers, the chastening of the Lord that re that rebukes, that still corrects. So we've been taught that God doesn't do that. Or we talk that God ain't about to really put, put people in hell because they, not because he wants them to go, but because they don't want him and so what happens, we treat him or we don't respect him and we treat him like he is Santa Claus. But when your boss come around, you working properly. When your when the person you revere the most come around, you walk properly. When your pastor come in the store, you change your language, but you, you, you sin openly before God. That's backwards. Until God is revered, we won't be able to walk wisely. Idolatry by death. Another point, idolatry thrives where intimacy and interaction is not evident. Idolatry thrives where intimacy and interaction is not evident. Idolatry th thrives when there's no intimacy that's birthed out of interacting with God. See, the reason why I don't want to sin, that I, that I don't want to sin, and when I do make a mistake, I, or when I only want to call it a mistake, when, I'm, when I sin, because sometimes we, we make sin cute and cuddly and call it a mistake. Cool. That's a, that, it's a, it's a that's another way of saying it. But we got to really say, you know what? I sinned. I sinned. Oh, I made a mistake. It's a, oh, my bad, God. I made a mistake. No, no. I sinned before holy God. I sinned in a way that is causing me not to flow and be who I need to be and to be effectively uh, uh, or to cooperately work with the Holy Spirit. I've sinned. When you call it what it really is, you change within. When you call sin, sin, you change within. That's why you got to call. No, the way I communicate is sin. The way I'm thinking right now is a sin. The way I'm living is a sin. It's not a mistake. It's a sin. And when you understand what you're doing and what sin is, sin is doing anything that would not be uh, uh, what God wouldn't do or what God would not advise to do, what God doesn't want us to do. 
And when we recognize that, number one, I can't do it on my own. We don't get into works righteousness. We don't get into, well, I got to work for God's approval. No, God's goodness is so, he's so good to me, man. I don't want to sin because I know my God's a good God. I know I can do better. You see what I'm saying? I know, oh yeah, I repeat the phrase. Idolatry thrives where intimacy and interaction is not evident. Where intimacy and interaction is not evident. Right. Be afraid to disappoint God. Be genuine and pure. Just be pure about it. If like if I did something wrong towards my wife and I don't feel it, I don't love her. If I have no remorse, then my repentance is not genuine. My apology is not genuine. Real love is in when I've wronged someone, I feel it because of the fellowship. It's hard to feel where you where you sinned if there's no genuine fellowship. See what I'm saying? So if, if I have great fellowship and I've seen the fruit of that fellowship and I see just how much of a friend God is, when I make a mistake, when, oh, no, no, when I sin, I feel that thing. You see what I'm saying? I feel it because, man, God, man, you too good. Not because of who, not, not just because of who he is, but because of how good he is. God, nah, man, I ain't going to do this again because I see three moves beyond this sin. I see that if I continue to practice sin, what the fruit of this sin will be. If I continue to think of this and think of that and portray this and do this, and then I'll eventually idolize it. And then I'll find myself surrounded by consequences. Idolatry, excuse me, thrives where intimacy and interaction is not evident. How often do you interact with God and get to know him as a friend? You know, like... You know a friend, you you're close to a person that you communicate and 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 engage with the most. And we gotta be real about that. Singles out there, man, if you really want marriage, man, you gotta be married first. You gotta first in order to be one with someone else, you gotta be one with God and one with yourself. I'm going ahead of myself, but we'll get to that point soon. Now, signs you've idolized the idea of marriage. We're transitioning now. Signs you've idolized the idea of marriage. I got 11 signs that you have idolized the idea of marriage. Number one, the one of the one sign or one of the signs that you've idolized the idea of marriage when you want it more than God. You know you have idolized the idea of relationship or marriage or love. When you want it more than God, you should not in, you should not desire or want anything other than God. Now, don't get me wrong. As you go deeper into the sanctification process, your desires will change because your delight will change. The more you go into the light, the more you will delight in God. And the more you in the light and delight in God, your desires become like God. And then you will be able to then God can release those desires to you. So what I'm saying is, don't get me wrong, this is a process. A lot of people right now are not there yet. They, they have the desire to desire God, number one, but they just don't have the tools or the resource or the revelation or the wisdom or the work ethic or the cooperation ultimately with the Holy Spirit to actually do it. <clears throat> one sign you idolize the idea of marriage, relationship, and love is when you want it more than God. I have a point here. Whatever you want more than God, when you get it or have it, you will try and do it without God. That's why you have to love God more than anything. You have to understand the purpose of life. You have to understand that without God, there is no life. He says, the Bible says in him that we live, move, and have our being. It is very important that we understand that no matter whatever it is that we do without God, us in our pride, us in idolatry, us in our pride, number one, us in our submission to our idol, 
will try to do without God because we did it without God. And how many people know this? This ain't this ain't the right dude. This ain't this ain't the right girl. But but I, I'm not gonna bring God in this because I I want to see where this goes. See why I try to see where things goes when God has already seen where things gone. Why try to see where this goes when God has already seen where this has gone? It has already been gone before you was even developing your mother's womb. He already knows the end of a thing. So why try to trust your own vantage point? Then trust in the one that can see where it's going, where it's going to head towards versus trying to see. Well, I'm going to keep God out. I'm not going to talk to God. I'm not going to see God about it. I'm going to create a graven image of God to make me feel good about this relationship, to make me feel good about this pursuit. And, and I'm just going to ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying. And I'm going to grieve him into a place of silence and to the point to where now I'm go I can have what I want without God, but it never ends well that way, my friends, because no matter what marriage, people don't break marriage. Marriage breaks people. Anything you do without God will break you to smithereens. So you have to be broken to avoid being broken. You have to be broken to avoid being broken. So you got to let God break you into peace so that you won't be broken into pieces because you're trying to uh, bear a burden that you can't bear. And the thing, everything that God has created has a standard. The Holy Spirit was placed in you for you to help you uh, uh, through the grace of God, through the sufficiency of his grace and through his strength to be able to trust him with it. While you enjoy it, enjoy trusting, and then everything will manifest itself naturally. But when you try to do that thing, and there's so many people, they, they look this way, and God's like, don't do it, baby girl, young man, big boy. Young man, son, don't do that. Don't go with her. Don't be with her. Don't 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 entertain that thought. No, I'm gonna entertain this thought. Oh, I'm gonna make myself available. You said not not the song make myself available to God, but I'm gonna make myself available to a man, make myself available to a woman because I'm sick and tired of being alone with God. And that's what people don't want. They don't want to be in the presence of God where the fullness of his joy is. And I'm telling you, there's no better place than in the presence of God because it will help you manage whatever you want to do in life. But you can't do anything in life when you recognize I have to have God everywhere. That's right. It never ends well. Idols do not take care of their end of the deal. They don't. They will beckon you to come. They will beckon you to bow. They'll beckon you to follow. But they'll never be able to. Uh, 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 and, uh, they'll never be able to uh, take care of their end of the deal. They will always leave you broken. One of the signs you've idolized the idea of marriage, love, or relationship is when you want it more than God. Number two, when you find your worth and value in it. When you find your worth and value in it. See, ladies and gentlemen, your worth and value is in God. When the U.S. economy took the dollar off the gold standard, the dollar at that moment began to depreciate in value because it had nothing of greater value to support it. The moment you separate yourself from God, you diminish in value, not in not or you become devalued mentally. Your value is always priceless to God, but your soul becomes devalued. Your soul becomes uh, caught up in the worldish, earthly things. And what God wants you to understand is that I'm the word, I'm the gold standard. I'm the God standard. If you want to be godly, you got to be connected to God. If you want to be able to endure everything that God has made and be able to enjoy it fully and correctly, you got to stay up to that God standard. 
And that's what repentance is. Come back to your rightful place of thinking. Come back to your rightful place. Understand that you are the righteous in Christ Jesus, that, that, that you are above the world's influence, that you can overcome sin. The greater is he that's in you than whatever you face in the world. Come back up hither. That's why God said, think on things that are above. Look high. Look to the hills from which come your help. Your help come from the Lord because he wants you to see up so that you can be up above everything that wants you to be beneath. So a sign that you idolize the idea of love is when you find your worth and value in it. You sitting there at home saying, if only I, if only I was like her married, if only I was like him married, if only I was married. Listen, listen, if you are stinking that or speaking that and you have an interview people who are living that, then my friend, you setting yourself up um, to be drastically disappointed because the day I got, the day after I got married, it, I had to work. See, people want marriage to serve them. No, we serve God, serve each other so that our marriage can be a service to other people. But when you are self-seeking and you want everything to serve you, then you will go into a marriage expecting that man to serve you while you lazy on your behind or you're expecting that woman to serve you while you're out there doing whatever you're doing to do with your time. And then you'll find out this thing ain't going nowhere. You got to understand that it's going to take work. And if you don't allow the word to work on you, man, you ain't going to be able to work the word. You ain't going to be able to work effectively in anything when you find your worth and value and listen marriage does should not determine your value your singleness is just as see people understand singleness and marriage marriage is not more is not more valuable than singleness singleness is not more valuable than marriage they have their equal value each of them have their own unique value that's not better than the other so a married person is not better than a single person a single person not better than a married person. They all, each of those seasons have their equal value. If you maximize one season, you'll be prepared for the next season. If you maximize that season, you will continue to go from glory to glory. So when you understand and didn't enjoy their singleness, they didn't because enjoying your singleness get, helps you get to know yourself. Enjoying your singleness helps you get to know God and sets you up for your career. And set because there's different levels or stages of singleness. You're single as a kid. You see what I'm saying? That's a st stay safe stage of singleness. So you never stop being single, my friends. So if you don't embrace the singleness of this version of singleness, then you won't know how to be single in marriage, meaning you won't know how to be whole in marriage. And, and then you will go into marriage expecting someone to complete you and not compliment a person. But if you know that you're a wretch, that you ratchet and that you got issues, God, make me single, make me whole, make me one of a kind so that when I get married, I'm still one of a kind. I'm still whole. I'm not changing. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm changing for the better. I'm evolving, but I'm not a compromising. You're going to be single forever. So enjoy this singleness now so that you know how to be one of a kind and whole in singleness. Singleness, we're talking about this period of singleness of not being with someone. There's a level of, there's a season of singleness when you're with someone, but you have to be whole. That's a revelation. I hope y'all caught. You will always be single. So maximize this version of singleness so that when you're single in a marriage, you won't be lonely. You won't be, you'll still, you'll still trusting God more than that person, etc. Good stuff. If only most of the people of God will speak more about the beauty and the, that's right. You know, so you're a false. Well, you got to go big time. I hope you're talking about somebody else. You got to go big time. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you one more chance. You say something else crazy. I got to let you go. So what I'm saying is when you find your worth and value in it, signs you've idolized the idea of marriage is when you find your worth and value 
in it. If you find your worth and value outside of God, you're going to find yourself depreciating value mentally. And then the devil will feed your mind into making you believe that you're not valuable to God at all when you're already priceless to him. Number three, signs you idolize the idea of marriage. Number three, when it occupies your mind and life. If all you think about is being married, if all you think about is, is, is being in love, all you think about is, is, is money or whatever it is that you think of, if it occupies your life, if it occupies your mind, on you'll, you'll be able, you'll be embracing the byproduct of it. So what happens is if you occupy the idea of marriage, then it's going to be overburdensome. And then when you realize you're single and don't got nobody and you ain't had nobody for two years, now loneliness creeps in and then you become upset with God and then you start making yourself available and then you find yourself all unstable. You see what I'm saying? But when you recognize, yo, man, I'm going to occupy my mind. I'm going to occupy my time on the things of God. I'm going to focus on him because when I focus on him, I flourish. And when he's my focal point, everything in my life is on point. You see what I'm saying? Then, then, because if you think about it, time goes slow. If you don't think about it, time goes faster. Either way, you're going to be single for another three years. Some of y'all another two years. Some of y'all five years. Whatever God time frame based upon his providential knowledge and your level of preparation, ultimately according to his purpose, you got to be okay with that and have 40 years of marriage. Which one, which, which time is better? I bet you if you was hindsight of your if you was in the hindsight spot of your life and looked back towards it, you would be like, I'll take that four years. And then instead of having a man for Instagram for these four months, then all of a sudden I'm divorced in less than four years. Wouldn't you say that it was better for you to just work on yourself, grow yourself, deepen your understanding in God and have a great 40 year marriage, 50 year marriage? I bet you if you look back from that standpoint, you'd be like, you know what? I'll choose that. But most of us in the middle of that four year, we in year two upset. It's because you're not occupying or you're not dedicating your time. You're not dedicating your life. You see what I'm saying? You're not dedicating it to the things that's for now. You can't worry about later if you're not talking about now. So many people are so caught up on there that they're mismanaged here. But you know what, family? You can't spell there without here. You won't be able to get there until you manage here. If you want to get there, take care of here. Signs you idolize the idea of marriage when you want it more than God, when you find your worth and value in it. Number three, when it occupies your mind and life. Number four, when you feel empty. Due to not being married or in a relationship when you feel empty. That kind of goes with number three. When you feel empty. When you feel low. That if I can just have what she has, I'll then feel full. Jesus told the woman at the well, he was like, man. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. But if you get so caught up in the well that your forefathers built. Then you have to keep coming here to get quenched. And what the metaphoric uh, 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 premise that he was trying to paint in the picture of a mind was, he was like, if you drink of me, you fool for the rest of your life. But if you keep drinking from this well, this idea of marriage, this idea that you keep drinking from these articles, drinking from Instagram pictures of relationship goals, drinking from this, drinking from this, drinking from this, drinking from this, you're going to always find yourself going back to it. Always find yourself going back to it because you're going to always find thirst. 
You will always be thirsty. But he says, if you drink of me, you will never be thirsty again. He's saying, man, I will fill you. I will fill your cup to overflow. There's a, in order for me to fulfill my life, there's a spot in this uh, life that I'm supposed to feel. So I got to be full of God, whatever he wants me to be full of, full of his spirits, spiritual attributes, which is love, joy, peace, because that's what the world's looking for. If I'm bringing that to a spot in this world, I can feel that place of emptiness. Believers were never meant to go anywhere empty. The only place we were supposed to go empty was to him to be full. And we'll be and the thing about the Holy Spirit is we now go from being a bucket and to having a spirit of God as an everlasting stream. So we'll never have to go back to God in the middle of the river. If there's no blockage in the river, if we allow the Holy Spirit to have his proper flow, we'll always be full to go. Whoop, I'm trying to tell you. If we continue to allow him to flow without no dams or blockages in the way, we'll always have what we need on our way. You see what I'm saying? That's why you can never be like, if I have that, then I'll feel good, man. Do you not know how many feelings you're going to have when you're married? I've been married for two years. You know how many feelings I have? Not because of my wife, but because of the realities of this thing. The feelings of insecurities, the feelings of, whoa, what is this? The feelings of, man, I didn't have no father in the home to show me how to be a husband. A lot of feelings you're going to have. But when you tap into that spirit of rivering you, you will find yourself supernaturally able to do what you had no uh, a visual of. That's why you can't make an excuse. Well, Josh, I ain't never had no dad to show me. I ain't had no mom to show me. God said, I got the spirit of God that will, that will show you and supernaturally make you who you couldn't be on your own. That's why the only way, it, t- tell my wife, ask my wife, the only way I'm going to be a good husband to her Holy Spirit, because I didn't have it in the home. I didn't see what it was like. So my wife looking at me like, how you know how to do this? I don't know how I'm doing it. <laughs> well, now I know how I'm doing it by the help of the Holy Ghost. But that, that was from years and years of relying on him. Signs you idolize the idea of love when you want it more than God, when you find your worth and value in it, when it occupies your mind and life. Number four, when you feel empty due to not being married or in a relationship. Number five, signs you idolize the idea of marriage when you feel low, when you see others married in a relationship. When you see someone that has what you desire, it shouldn't move you because you have the one. That should fulfill your desire. You see what I'm saying? So if I if I if I see someone that has what I like to have, I don't have to worry about it because I have enough. See, we are always envy others when we're not aware of just how enough God is. When you know that God's enough, you can celebrate other people's success because you already sustain. You see what I'm saying? People who people who um, know money. Ain't, ain't, ain't move. You see what I'm saying? Because they, they're familiar with money. They're familiar with wealth. You see what I'm saying? They're familiar with work. They're familiar with it. So they're not move. They know for a fact, hey, a millionaire can make a million dollars. If he can make millions, if he loses millions, he can make millions again. She can make millions again. Why? Because he may have lost the money, but he didn't lose the mindset. If you got the mindset, you can make it again. If you got the mindset, you can get it again. You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter. So I got the mindset of my God can bless me with that, but obviously it's not my time. And I'm cool with that. So if you got it before me, I'm celebrating you, bro, because in God's providential timing, it's for you. But also realistically, I understand that God is ain't the only one that blesses folk. So when you're looking to envy someone that's married, you need to take time to think that did the devil bless them with that? Did they bless their own selves with that? Or did God bless them with that? And since you're not the fly on the wall, and since you're not God, I don't got time to worry about what you got. Because I don't know how you got it. I'm worried about getting what I got to get and stewarding what I already got. 
You see what I'm saying? So you don't even know how they got what they got. And it's crazy how we envy people and all we see is what they post. You got to see if you were just a fly on the post where they where they real life is exposed. You would be able to say, wow, I don't want that. Do you really want her relationship where her man slapping her at night? Do you really want her marriage where her man is cheating on you? Do you want that? It looks good on the ground, but you don't know he's slapping her all across the room. You don't know he's cheating on her. Do you want that girl? Do you want her thick like that? Do you want her a girl like that? Do you want the girl you see on the ground, whether she's skinny thick or thickety thick, thick, thick? You want that and you think he's happy not knowing that all he she does is is a, a tech, getting flight. Um, flight, well, maybe not right now, getting travel, uh, to be traveled to a, a sugar daddy, not knowing that that woman is putting that man through hell. You want that type of woman, not knowing that she ain't got nothing to contribute to that marriage relationship. You want that? All you see is the Instagram, knowing good and well that she ain't even cooked the meal that she posts, realizing that he ain't even really taking care of his house. He got a house, we don't got no home. You want that? God, looking at half of us talking about you really want that. Okay, you can have it. And I want you to see what it's really like to be in something that I'm not in. I'm telling you right now, most of the 95% of the things that we envy, if we really had a clear understanding of what it was that we're envying, we would say we don't want it. I'm telling you, 95% of the things and the people we envy, if we really had eyes to see what was really going on, we wouldn't want it. I'm telling you. So stop envying. If you don't have, if you're not the omniscient one and know everything and you can see the outside, but you don't know what's inside that man and how he's thinking about quitting on her. You don't need so inside that woman when she's entertaining the other and she got a good man, but entertaining other dudes because of her own insecurities. He got him a good woman, but because he's a boy inside, he has to try to do boy things to get new toys. Come on. We... Because who am me? Who am I? Am I God? The reason why we end because we think we God. I know what's really going on. I want that. You ain't God enough to do that. You 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 you, you can't even comprehend it. Sunshine is idea of love when you want it more than God. When you find your worth and value in it. When it occupies your mind and life. Number four, when you feel empty due to not being married or in a relationship. Number five, when you feel low when you see others married or in a relationship. And number six. Signs you idealize the idea of love or marriage or relationship when everything is relationship goals. If you always hitting that hashtag to find out what your see you, you your, your true relationship goals should be Jesus the Son relationship with the Father. That should be relationship goals. Period. If you if that's your goal, you will hit the mark in any other relationship goals you may have. But what happens is most people number uh, six. Everything lets you go. Oh, I want to hold hands like them. Oh, that's cute. Oh, she, oh, she do that for him. Oh, he do that for her. Your relationship goal should not be another couple. Your relationship goal should be the relationship between what Jesus showed in the, in the gospels between him and the father. If that becomes relationship with goals, you want you, your relationship will be, your, your relationship will be successful. Signs your ideas of idea love. Number seven, when you've planned the wedding in detail, but are not preparing for the actual marriage. Number seven, when you plan the wedding in detail, this may be for the ladies, because, uh, man, we don't think about the wedding until the day we there. We'll keep it real with you. Now, you got some guys that's all in the fashion stuff. Cool. That's cool. Most guys will be, oh, shoot. <laughs> the day of. You're like, oh, this real, real. <clears throat> when you've planned the wedding in detail but are not prepared for the actual marriage, when you think or plan about it, or it, you, what I'm trying to say is you got the colors. You already got the list of your bridesmaids. You like, yo, I got uh, uh, Kelly going to be there. Susie going to be there. 
I would put Barbara in there, but Barbara tripping right now. We ain't really cool like that. So I don't know if I'm going Barbara to be one of my bridesmaids, but Becky, I don't, she got too good of a hair. I don't like Becky. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll definitely keep Kim in there. You already got the bridesmaid list. You see what I'm saying? You already got the colors. You already got the flowers. You got the wedding mapped out. But what's not been mapped out, what hasn't been cleared out is the stuff that's going to kill the marriage. What I'm trying to say for men and women is when you get so caught up on the look of something versus the actual life of it. See, I, the, I know people who spent thousands of thousands of thousands of thousands of dollars on a wedding on a day, but don't got a dime for the marriage. Don't got no put so much energy, so much time, so much because they only care about what that wedding going to look like. All they care about is the gram. IG, instant gratification. All they care about is the gram. All they care about is how these pictures are going to look. All I care about is what this thing going to look like versus what it's going to be like to be married. See what I'm saying? I knew me and my wife didn't spend that much money. We was blessed. 80% of what we did and did was blessed. God blessed it. Because we have, we have enough, we got the Holy Spirit, we have the right currency for the marriage. You can spend all the currency of the world. You can spend all the money in currency form for, for a wedding. But if you don't got the currency, the current of the Holy Spirit in you, your marriage won't be of any value. The stock of it will go down. But so many people, they look good for that day. But then the next day when it's time to be a husband, they can't. When it's time to be a wife, they can't. I'm telling you, man, the marriage is real. You like you need God for real. Like if you knew how real it was, you will take your time now and you'll say, you know what? When we, when you meet your man, when you meet your woman, you'll be like, you know what? We ain't going to spend that much money on the wedding. I ain't talking about going to no court. I ain't talking about like nothing like that. I mean, unless you want to, I don't know. I, don't really, I ain't really, really thought about that. It ain't nothing wrong with having a wedding, but make sure your marriage is more valuable. Make sure that your the I do who you are as a person is valuable. Your ideas of marriage is valuable, right? So that when you have the wedding day, it's just a it's just a day. Ain't nothing wrong with being cute on your wedding day. Ain't nothing wrong with being clean, my my man, on your wedding. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But make sure your heart clean. Make sure you're really ready, man. This ain't no joke. Cause she's gonna be looking at you like, are you gonna provide for me spiritually, emotionally, and physically? Are you able to provide for that? Are you able? And he's going to be looking at you. Are you able to 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 uh, to uh, to support me and raise and not raise me, Lord? No, you don't want to raise praise and support me. And and, 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 and and let's do this thing together. Let me lead. Most of these men that get married, a woman leads. Oh, man, that's <laughs> let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop right there. And that's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you want to go that route? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Signs by the idea of marriage or love or relationship. Number eight, when you don't trust God's timing and decide to make yourself available too soon. You know you've idolized marriage, love, or relationships when you don't trust God's timing and decide to make yourself available too soon. I have decided to make myself available. God's timing is perfect, man. God's timing is perfect. I know it for a fact because I can look down the corridors of my singleness. Right now, in my second year of marriage, I can look all the way down to the day I met my wife and I see nothing but God. I see moments where we tried to get married a year too soon, two years too soon. God stopped it. God blocked it. See what I'm saying? I look down. I'm like, wow, God, you let God reveal his timing. Let God do him. And the thing about God, God is done. He's no longer doing. 
Everything that has been done in your life has been done. It's now your cooperation of the Holy Spirit and, and allow him to lead you to what has been done for you. See, I don't want to lead myself and do what I need to do for me. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit to what God has already done for me. God is God did this marriage before I before my parents did what they did to conceive me. Everything was done. I've learned in my, my walk with God is I flow with you, God. I'm not flowing to what you're doing. I'm flowing to what you've done. If you think that God is doing something, you don't think that he's uh, that, that he's that he's finished. When you are when you trust God, God, I want to go to the place that you have done for me. Like there's already people that God has already touched their heart. They don't even know their heart's been touched about me, about my marriage. They ain't know, but they know that it's, there's twenty thousand dollars out there for me. I want to go where he had that twenty thousand dollars for me. That forty thousand, that that home, that that property, the the vineyards I didn't have, the buildings, I, the homes I didn't have to build, the vineyards I didn't have to take care of. You see what I'm saying? I want to go where he has already done it. God ain't doing; he is done. We got to allow the Holy Spirit and be doers of the word so that we can go to the hidden treasure chest in this game called life. You got to trust God's time and say, Holy Spirit, lead me to the mark. Lead me to the truth. Lead me to the spot. Lead me to his timing. I'm so glad I've, I'm, I'm lear- I've, I've, I've learned and I'm growing and learning how to let the Holy Spirit lead. Because every time, every time I let the Holy Spirit lead, I receive. Every time I let the Holy Spirit lead, I receive. Every time I do it on my own, I grieve. It's that simple. It's that simple, my friends. Signs you idolize the idea of love. And let me make sure I talk about that. You make yourself available too soon. If you really looked at your heart for what it really is, you will know I'm single for that reason. Some people, you just got to look at your heart and be like, you know what? Ah. If if you really understood what marriage was, if you understood what comes relationships and the requirements that comes with it and how God honors it, then you will say, God, you won't even ask for it. Like, like you desire it, but you'd be like, you know what, God, I trust your timing. I'm not going to waste my time asking where my Boaz is, not knowing that Boaz is going to live like a day. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not going to ask God for my roof. I'm not going to ask God for these people. You know what I'm saying? Do you really want to marry someone named Boaz? Think about that. <laughs> I'm just joking. What I'm trying to say is, is that you don't want to get so caught up on, I, I'm just going to make myself available. If you make yourself available, then you're not available to God. If you're trying to make yourself available for something else other than God, then you're not going to be able to do what you're looking to be available for. Keep going. Signs your allies the idea of marriage. Number nine, when you question God's goodness when you're not married, when you think you should be. Lord, why you give me points like that? I can go 20, 30 minutes on that. When you question God's goodness when you're not married, when you think you should be. No matter what you're going through, what you have or don't have, God is still good. If you only knew the things he kept you from, See, the reason why we we kind of God's goodness kind of goes up and down because we only measure God's goodness based upon the big things or the things we see. If God was to bring out a clipboard and say, do you not know I, I, I told you to go left here because you're supposed to die if you were, if you drove right? Do you not know I dispatch angels to keep that man from raping you? Do you not know that I, I blocked this and I did that and, 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 and whatever it is? Did you not know that your neighbor had COVID-19, but I covered your house, that you, that you shook their hand and you was around them and I protected you? Did you not, imagine if we took time to say, God, I thank you for the things that you were good for me, good towards me that I never said. 
And then because the most people they'll question God, well, God, you ain't good to me. Why you, you can't manipulate God? You can't, you can't treat God like you want to treat some of these men. How you trying to manipulate some of these women? You can't manipulate God. You can't be like, well, God, if you were just, why, why God, if only if you were so good, God, you must not be good. And we think that's going to manipulate God to do something good for you. God's like, man, I see your heart. God said, I'm good whether you whether you want, whether you know I'm good or not, I'm good to you. The fact that you ain't dropped dead and lift your eyes up in hell proves I'm good. So, so you can't question God's good. I never, I, I ain't question God's goodness. God has been too good to me. But many singles, when they question God's goodness, when they're not married in the time frame they think, because you thought about, well, if I just go to church, if I just be a good girl, God will give it to me. If I be a good boy, God will give me a marriage. God will give me a man. Nah, nah, nah. You can't do good to get good. You have to receive good. You can't do good to get good. You just got to receive good. You just got a lot of good work of the Holy Spirit working you into good works to glorify the Father that's in heaven. That's all you got to worry about. But you can't be like, well, God, I've been given. I've been, I've been living right. I've been giving right. I've been, I've been uh, doing all this right. And now I'm mad at you because I, well, God, I was faithful to you for six months. Six months? He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. He said, this, 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 that's reasonable for you to for you to die to for you to die to live. So you, you being good for six months, you not having sex for eight months, you not dropping it back and throwing it back and putting it in everything around the neighborhood. Don't because you just because you abstain. If you are abstaining from sin in your own effort, that's not abstaining. When you sustain, you are sustained by the work of God. If you, because anybody can stop having sex if they have a goal. I got, I work at elementary school. If if I tell a kid, hey, I'll give you some candy if you do this. If you if you if you be good for two or three days, four days, I check in the classroom and the teacher say you've been good. I give you candy. Kids start being good. Oh, I get something. I'll be good. You see what I'm saying? No, no, that's what we try to do. If 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 I if I if I be good, I be good. No, you gotta realize you're never good. It's the good work of God working inside of you that renews your mind to living a good life because of the Holy Spirit. But most people they think God gonna do that. Oh, he'll give me a piece of candy if I be good. Okay, no, no, God's like, just trust that I'm good. It's that simple. Let's keep going. Signs you idolize the idea of marriage. Number 10, when you demand it but don't have anything in stock on your shelves. When you demand it, but don't have anything stocked on your shelves, you know, you're idolizing when you demand it. This is what I want. And I want it now. And you look at your shelf. It's empty like the toilet paper shelves in the grocery store. Empty. You don't got none on your shelves. Everybody done been on your shelf, took stuff off your shelf. Woo! That's why you can't let everybody in the aisle of your life. Listen, not everybody's meant to go through the open door. Leave them in the hallway. Don't. Many people got empty shelves. They got people coming in, taking stuff off their life, taking guys like, man, you ain't even, you don't got nothing in stock. You don't got nothing in stock for this for this for this pandemic. You know what I'm saying? You don't got nothing in stock. You ain't prepared. Do you know the pandemic the devil want to put on marriages? The pandemic that's been on marriages since the beginning of time. And you think and you got none on your shelves? You don't got no toilet people, toilet paper. You don't got nothing. You demand we demand stuff and don't have none on the shelves. And God looking at you, looking down the aisle like this. This girl don't got none on her shelf. This guy, look at look, angels, look at it, look at it. Talking crazy right now, talking like he the man, and he don't got no love on his shelf, he don't got no joy on his shelf. That man ain't got no self-control on his shelf. That man screaming he a man, but only thing he is is a male because he's still a boy. What you got between your legs don't make you a man, fellas. You see what I'm saying? It don't, it don't, it don't, it don't. 
So what I'm saying is God is saying, man, stop asking for something and you don't got any substance on your shelves. I'm telling you right now, you got to say, God, stock my shelf with love. Thank you for giving, fam. Stock my shelf with joy. Stock my shelf with self-control so that so that so that when I get married, my wife can always have. So when she needs something from me, she can go to my shelf and receive the love you deposited in me, the joy you deposited in me. You see what I'm saying? Number 11, signs you idolize the idea of marriage. Number 11, when you go through a breakup, when you go through a breakup, you break down. Listen, when, when, if, if someone wants to break away from you, you're not you shouldn't break down. That should build you up. And what I mean by that is people, you know, I love is when you when you're when you got yourself in a relationship without God. See, idolatry would get you into a relationship, get you into a level of intimacy to the point to where you have a soul tie and that you interlock with that person. Then that demon, and that person be like, we're going to let them date for two or three years. I'm going to make him waste her time for three years. I'm going to make her waste his time for three years. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a only going to have him and her in her or his life long enough for him to idolize it deeply, long enough for she to idolize it deeply. And then when I speak into his heart to make him wake up and he's like, oh, I don't like you no more. She don't, and she's like, oh, I don't even like you no more. And she leaves you visibly. Not probably. The demons ain't gonna let them leave. Uh, they're gonna make them leave with the other person they're supposed to be a trap for. You see what I'm saying? So that so that you would be on Instagram watching her with her new man, watching him with his new woman, and so that you would be dark in mind and desperate, and then you would be broken down. That's why you gotta be very careful <clears throat> and being on the island of idolatry. Because you've been on an island of idolatry, he'll send someone in a ship over there and get you so caught up in them. And then when you break down, you messed up. That's right. Rejection is your protection. Rejection is your projection. It's supposed to let you know. It get, rejection helps you see what you were projected to do. Rejection is not only for your protection, but rejection. When someone leaves, them leaving should give you more clarity. Because anything that got, and some people got to understand, some people, uh, some people are supposed to leave because they're not supposed to go to your next level. But if you, if the level with them is the ultimate level for you, then you will always stay on the level. That's some people still in the same level because Jimmy left them in 98. Barbara left him at, at uh, 2002. So they're still in that same level. But when you realize who you are, when people leave, it'll hurt. You sad. When people leave, you may get in pride. Like, you going to do this to me. And you start looking around. You going to do this to me. That's how I was. See, in the beginning stage when I got rejected, and I, I would cry like a little baby. When people used to abandon me back in the later days when God was working on my band, I'm like, "You gonna do this to me?" And I, then I get, I, then I was petty, pendergrass. I began, I got petty. You know what I'm saying? But now, all that stuff's out of my life. But what I'm saying is, is that when someone leaves or abandon you, break down instead of being built up. That no, that's a sign that you idolize relationship or marriage or love. Next point, and then I got maybe five, seven minutes to finish my later points. And then we're going to have some time for some Q&A. Oneness with God prepares us to be one with someone else. Let me, make, let me extend that sentence. Oneness with God prepares us to be one with ourselves so that we can be one with someone else. The more we mesh with God, the more we mesh with ourselves. The more we mesh with ourselves, the more we mesh with, mesh with someone else. I have to endeavor every day in order for me and my wife to continue to stay one. I have to continue to be one with God. Every day, God, I want to be closer than I am before. And what I mean by closer, I mean in, in understanding you. See, my wife could be sitting right beside me right now. We not be close. 
A lot of people talk about closest with God because it ain't been a relationship. They don't know what closest means. I can be in the same house and my wife and not be close. So closest doesn't mean proximity. Is it him that we live, move, and have our being? There's a lot of people in God right now, but not close to him. They're not saved. You know, just because my phone don't work doesn't remove Verizon Wireless. See, see, just because a phone is disconnected doesn't mean the Verizon network is not around you. The Verizon network is always around you. The, 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 my straight talk <laughs> wireless connection is always around me, kind of. You know what I'm saying? But 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 just because God is in your life or God is around you doesn't mean you're close to him. Closest is not based upon proximity. Closest is based upon perspective. I want to be closer to you. I want to know you more in perspective and understanding. And that will bring us closer and closer together. So oneness with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to renew my mind, to understand who I am in him and to know who he is in a deeper way will make me familiar with myself. That's why when you become close with the with the God, capital L, love, you when, you, when, your, when your fear has been perfected by God's love, self-love bursts. You can't love nobody if you hate yourself. And many people are looking for love because they hate themselves. Listen, you should be you should be you should be okay being by yourself because you got God. Most people want marriage and want love because they hate being alone. They hate being around themselves. They hate themselves. If you really love yourself, you'd be like, listen, love is when you love yourself, it's easy to let go of things. When I when I love me, coach, coach Josh. Joshua G.K. Ezzy, Mr. Ezzy, whoever you call me, Uncle Ezzy, I love me. So it's easy to let go of somebody. It's easy to let go of a habit. It's easy to let go of something because my fears have been perfected by God's love. And now my self-love rises. And now I have a out. See, I'm not supposed to give what's in my cup. I'm supposed to give what overflows from my cup. See, see, if you just a cup with just, just its own substance in it, and people keep taking that love. That's all you got. And then eventually you have an empty cup. People should be the love that people get from me, my wife, my family, the ministry, the people I'm here to serve. They're supposed to get the overflow of my cup because I keep getting downpours. I keep, I'm so close. I'm in with God. I keep getting poured into and my wife gets the overflow. My wife, I ain't supposed to give my wife what's left in my cup. I'm giving my wife what flows out of my cup. That's why you got to keep allowing the flow of the Holy Spirit in you so that you people can receive your overflow and you will never be depleted. You will never be empty. You will never be without because you continue to allow so much to go in and you're not pouring in somebody else's life. They're just their cup is up under your overflow. Lord, you are preaching today. One is with God. My fear is being perfected by God's love and me gaining getting closer to him in perspective. Prepares me to be one with myself to the point to where my body, soul, and spirit is submitted to the spirit of God based upon my cooperation and sanctification process of, through the saving work of Christ. And now I'm able to love somebody else. Now I'm able to be one with my wife. Now I'm able to love people like I'm supposed to love them because I'm not losing nothing. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I just love to be loved. See, let me break something down to you. There's a difference between giving people your love and giving people your heart. See, not everybody gets my heart. I can probably count on one hand how many people got my heart. That's it. That's about, about this many people, probably less than that, they got my heart. Well, you about, about six or seven. Seven, about, 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 about two, two and a half, one and a half fingers got my heart. Everybody else can get my love. Ten seconds of my time is love. Adapt when I see you. That's love. 
an encouraging word. That's love. But I ain't going to give someone that only supposed to get my love, my heart, because not everybody's willing or able to manage your heart. Stop giving people your heart. Give them their love and put limits on your love. There are certain people that get this amount of love from you. There are certain people that get that amount of love from you. There are certain people that get that amount of love from you. There are some people that get that amount of love from you. And that's based upon a delegation of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in you. But I'm not supposed to give no love category person my heart. And most people are giving their hearts because they never gave their heart to God. Here's my heart. You wear your heart on your sleeve. Anybody wants my heart? Come on. Just come. Just take it off my sleeve. Just take it off my shoulder. You can have my heart. There, there you go. There it is. Right there. No, 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 no. Everybody gets some kind of love from me. Even my haters get love from me. Even those who despitefully use me get love from me. Anybody who talk behind my back, they get love. My The fact that I don't slap you, that's love. <laughs> The fact that I don't, the fact that I ain't rolled up yet, that's love. The fact that I ain't throw them bowls, that's love. The fact that I ain't put no glove on and get you to go, that's love. The fact that I ain't talking to you and talking crazy, cussing you out, that's love. Even if your your enemies deserve love, the Bible says kindness will keep coals of fire on the head. So love, 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 but don't give everybody your heart. Now, how to stop idolizing marriage for the last thirteen minutes? How to stop idolizing? Marriage. Number one, find the source of your idolatry and surrender to Jesus. Find the source, not the not the symptoms of your idolatry, not the habits, not the practices of sin, not those things. The real root, the real source of your idolatry. Find the source of your idolatry and surrender to Jesus. Jesus, here's my idol. Break it, please. Break my idolatry of relationship. Break my idolatry of marriage. Break my idolatry of being pride of prideful of this life. Break my idolatry of money. Break my idolatry of, of whatever. Break it. I surrender to you. Here, take it. I don't want it no more. You've been too good to me. I don't want it no more. Holy Spirit, reveal me in a deep, reveal to me in a deeper way the goodness of Jesus that draws me to repentance. It's because of his goodness. That's why the devil don't want you to think that God is good or he wants you to think that God is overly good. And what I mean by overly good, we're talking about oh, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a man, you get a man, you get a man, you get a woman, you get a woman, you get a marriage, you get no, 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 no. We ain't talking about the Oprah kind of love. Because she have, she ain't paid for those cars that she gave away. We're talking about the goodness of God that is balanced. A goodness of God that still chases those whom he loves, corrects why he loves tenderly. Find the source of your idolatry and surrender to Jesus. Here you go. It's yours, man. I don't want them. I want you, man. You're the only one that saved my life. You're the only one that can redeem me. I need you. I want you, number one, in, in every area of my life. Number two, how to stop idolizing marriage. Sit God in his rightful place in your life and strive for oneness with him. Holy Spirit, show me how to become one with God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Reveal the word, reveal the scriptures to me in a greater way. God, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going through the help of the Holy Ghost. Seat you in your rightful place in my life. Holy Spirit, help me to, to, to welcome God in every area of my life. And any place that I don't want God in, let me let it go. If if this relationship is not of God, I don't want I don't want it. If it ain't of God, I don't want it. That should be your mindset. If it ain't of God, I don't want it. If it ain't of God, I don't want it. Sit God in his rightful place in your life and strive for one as sit him in your life. See him seated. You sitting, the best way to have him seated in you is for you to be seated in heavenly places. See yourself above. See yourself living. Let the Holy Spirit show you the life that the Holy that, that he can grant you. 
In order for him to be seated in his right place, seat where Jesus is, right, sit on the right hand of God, allow him because he's seated, I'm seated in the heavenly places. Number three, how to stop idolizing marriage. See marriage how God sees it. That'll help you. <laughs> God, the Bible says marriage should be held in high honor. And when it's not, man, it just destroys people. God, show me what comes with marriage so that I can see, yo, you're right. I ain't ready for it. See marriage how God sees Because if you can see marriage how God sees in your singleness, you will be prepared for it when you actually have it. Number four, how to stop idolizing marriage. Number four, utilize the help of the Holy Ghost. I put the Holy Spirit and I like to say Holy Ghost. I put Holy Spirit because I got to continue with my S's. Utilize the help of the Holy Spirit and scriptures to stop idolatrous habits. Holy Spirit and the word of God reveal to me my heart. The Bible says, um, look intently in the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, to look at yourself. There's a mirror right here in my in my uh, office here. A mirror in the bathroom. You we, we, if we ain't going to leave the house looking crazy physically, we shouldn't never leave the house looking crazy emotionally, mentally, soulishly. You got to look at that word of God as a mirror and be like, Holy Spirit, word of God, show me me. Show me my ugliness. Show me the crumbs in my eyes. Show me what's in my nose. Well, show me what's in my beard. Show me where it's everywhere, Lord. Show me everything, Lord. Show me everything. Show me clearly. Show me my motives. Show me my true intentions. Show me my heart. And he will. And then you will be able to set apart and depart the things that you that shouldn't have your heart. Number five, how to stop allies in marriage. Five, surround yourself with solid support systems that will help keep you from idolizing. The Bible says, confess your sins once another that you may be healed. You see what I'm saying? The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse of all of our sins when we confess our sins. The Holy Spirit will surround you with the right people that you can be held accountable by. Where you're able to say, you know what? They'll call you out on stuff. That's why most people don't want true Christians to be their friends. That's why most people, a lot of people that liked me around them before don't like me around them now. Because I'm going to call it how I see it. Because I expect you to call it how you see it in my life. See what I'm saying? Because if we want to live the high life, I'm going to call out things in your life. And I want you to call out things in my life. Real believers, welcome welcome um, accountability and give accountability. So you say, Holy Spirit, surround me with the solid support, the sound support systems that comes from your stream that will help keep me from idolizing. Number six, how to stop idolizing marriage? Avoid indulging in what other people show online or what you see online. If you see it and you used to want it, turn it off. Remember what I said. Not everything that you see posted online is the truth. So what I'm saying is avoid, avoid indulging. And avoid scrolling, avoid hashtags where your Instagram scrolling everybody's relationship goals. You're gonna fall, you'll find yourself right back in the sunken place. Avoid it. Overly indulge in the word of God, overly indulge in who you are in him, overly indulge in your righteousness in him, overindulge in your in your purpose. That'll distract you from indulging in people's relationship goals because your relationship goals between your relationship goals is Jesus to the Father, that's evident in the gospel. Last but not least, how to stop idolizing marriage. Start pursuing your, oh, sorry. Start pursuing your purpose and focus on stocking your shelves. Start pursuing your purpose. Listen, <clears throat> I do this every time because some people need visuals. I don't know if I can really, I got two card games right there. Bam. Six books. 
Oh, two of them the same. My children's book is another room. 1,400 videos. 300 events. Your boy was busy in this singleness. No, no. Parts of my singleness, I was busy. A lot of it, I was productive. It's difference between being busy and productive. Busy is being under Satan's yoke. Busy is doing everything and not accomplishing anything. Productivity is a specific purpose, specific goal, and specific outcomes. See what I'm saying? I found my purpose. And I and I got caught in it. I got I, I got engaged in it. And about time I looked up, I was adult. About time I looked up, I was like, I, as if I heard from heaven, no longer good for Josh to be alone. Josh has done a, enough in his singleness. Now it's time to take him to the next level. Have you done enough in your singleness for God to send the right one? Have you done enough? Have you done anything with it? Start pursuing your purpose and focus on stocking your shelves. I'm a, okay. Okay. My shelves are empty now. I'm a Holy Spirit, stock me the shelves of my life with love. Toilet paper that will never go out. Love that will never go, that will never run out. Joy that will never run off. Your shelves should always be stocked. Right now in my life, I'm, my shelves are stocked. My wife can come anytime and get love, anytime she wants it. She can see the joy of the Lord in my life anytime she wants to get some joy. If she feels low, the same thing, vice versa. Still saying, what if you still haven't found your purpose? Your purpose is in the person of God. Get to know him. And, and I know I can give you five steps. Actually, go to my video right up on this same playlist. I did a video on uh, how to discover your purpose in the same singleness um, course. I think it was number three or four. Look at that video. It'll show you how to find your purpose and all that good stuff. All right. How to stop allies in marriage, find a source of your ideology and surrender to Jesus. Number two, sit God in rightful place in your life and strive for oneness with him. Number three, see marriage how God sees it. Number four, utilize the help of the Holy Spirit and scriptures to stop idolatrous habits. Number five, surround yourself with solid support system that will keep that will help keep you from idolizing. Number six, avoid indulging in what other people show online or what you see online. Number seven, start pursuing your purpose and focus on stocking your shelves. I have an activity for you all that's front and back. That is uh, on my website, uh, for my on my course website, lifework.teachable.com. Go to my the Purpose Singleness course. Go to this video. You'll be able to get this worksheet. Uh, I'm not going to share what it is now because I want you to go get it so you can uh, um, engage it. Your life work activity for this week. This week, I want you to really look at your life to see if there are any idols sitting in God's seat in your life. Utilize the worksheet below to process your present or potential idolatry. Go on that website. Get it right now. It's free to sign up, get that worksheet. And I got uh, three, four, five, six questions on there for you to process through. And I'm going to give you guys some time to start right here on the Indigo. On the Indigo uh, right there, I'm going to start answering questions from that point. But in that meantime, I'll let you guys know about all the resources you get on my website. The Purpose of Freedom, Soul Ties and Strongholds. If you got Soul Ties Stronghold, you can go there and get your uh, copy. My website's imunplug.com. I'll go ahead and put that there for you real quick. Our website has everything that I have to offer. My podcast, my books, my courses has everything. Oh, y'all got oh, y'all got the questions coming in. Lord have mercy. Y'all had that copied and pasting it right now. Website right there. If you want to go and get books or courses, um, the court, the book that sparked this whole course, the purpose of singleness. I may get in chapter two next week. I may get into the book, depending on where I'm at in my course so far. Wherever the Holy Spirit leading, we may start reading through chapter two. 
We may go through that. We may take a break. I may do like three or four videos and then go into the book, three or four videos, and then go into the book. But if you want the book that sparked this course, The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? That book right there is about helping you maximize your singleness. Like I said before, you'll be single all the days of your life. You're going to be single all the days of your life, at least maximize this stage of your singleness. My first book that I ever wrote, Unplug, the top thing you need to unplug from in this world and how to plug into Christ. Book on spiritual warfare, World War Me, how to win the war within. It, it's easy to win the wars against you if you already won the war within. My book, the uh, Dating Prep, How to Date Yourself and the Love of Your Life Forever. It's got questions in there for you to do it as a single person, as well as go through this book with your significant other, whether it's a person that y'all talking right now, y'all get to know each other, but there's great questions here that you really can find out the heart of a person and read their body language. I'll talk about that as well. The card game that goes with that dating prep that goes with that book. Unfortunately, in two different sites, this card, I'm trying to get it all on Amazon, um, but the card company, they don't put products on Amazon. So you can get this game dating prep. There's three levels to the game, the cloud phase, the cement phase, and the corporation phase. The cloud phase, y'all just met and y'all just answering basic cloud questions. The cement questions are when y'all getting serious, is getting real, and now it's time to talk and ask real questions. Corporation is when y'all engage or married and y'all build a corporation together. A cloud question is, I got one, what hobbies do I do that affect you? Oh, that's cement, I'm sorry. Cloud question I have, let's see, let me find a good cloud question. What's your mom's name? That's a cloud question. What's your dad's name? A cement question is who raised you and how was your experience? That's a cement question. Who raised you? Who raised you? <laughs> because you acting crazy. It's getting real. Who raised you? What was your experience? Another cement question. Which family elder are you closest to? Or corporation question is, have you sought God about me? You want to get engaged to me? But Well, that's a cement question. Oh, yes, yeah, cement. Okay. Uh, corporation question. Where do you see us in 10 years? We married. We about to get married. Where do, where do we see ourselves 10 years from? That's good questions. Another uh, card game that's been, that will be good for y'all is called Memory Muscle. It's a fun way to memorize oh, memorize scripture, James 1, 2 through 4. Bible says, count it all joy. We go through trials, et cetera, et cetera. It is a way to play it with friends. Use it, quote it, discuss it. A fun way to memorize scripture by yourself or with friends. Let's get to some questions. I got time, maybe 20 minutes and I got to go. All right, let me go all the way up. To indigo. And for me, ASAP says, I do not obsess over it anymore. I really just ask God to remove it from my heart if it's not in his will. How do you know that that's his will? Because I avoid praying about it, but it keeps coming back up. As far as marriage, I'm, I'm guessing that's what it is. Um, you're human. You know, you, you're human. And you have to understand the humanness and the imperfections that's still being perfected and realizing you're never going to be perfect. So you're going to always have feelings rise. That's why people think that when they overcome because of the Holy Spirit of past sin that they think that they'll never feel feelings again because you don't know what different triggers are. You don't know what stages you are. When you are on fire for God, you may not have those feelings, but when life hits you and you're going through the storms of life and your your um, patterns and your habits are not consistent, <clears throat> spiritual disciplines, you may find yourself those feelings rising up. But the thing is not when they rise is what you do when they do rise. And so don't, 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 your mind may be locked in. You, you may be genuinely striving towards not thinking about marriage or not, but thoughts are going to come because we're surrounded by triggers. You can't go online without seeing a couple. You can't go in a grocery store without seeing a couple. 
it's not about when it rise, it's making sure it subsides. You see what I'm saying? By by the facts. Facts has to always, you got to have it in written form sometime. Whatever system that helps you. You may have to write the facts down on a sheet of paper, put it in your purse. You might have to write the facts on a window or wherever you find yourself frequently so that when you do find those feelings rise, let me go in my purse real quick and pull out this, oh, that's why, and refocus your mind on what you need to do to go forward. And sometimes you, you, you just got to do what you got to do to make sure you subside those feelings when they rise. So you're human. This world is saturated with idolatry uh, 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 marketing. They, they want you to idolize relationship. They want you to idolize it badly. They want you to idolize any and everything in this world to keep your eyes off of God. So you need hard hardware, hard tangible items that you can read to refocus your mind on why you are focusing in your singleness. And those feelings will naturally subside when the facts are prevalent. Hotel or the facts are evident. Jaden Washington says, how do you end a relationship with kindness and not put the other person down? Great, 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 great. Um, either way, the response of a person is not is not your fault if you do it the right way. Because even if you break up with someone the right way, you can't control how they react. They may react crazy, whatever. What you do is, is that Holy Spirit, I know this relationship is not of you. I want to have this conversation by the end of this week. Create the right conversation, create the right atmosphere, create the right moment for us to have this conversation where we both walk away peaceably, not harmed or whatever. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit will create the right environment. That person may bring it up. You will feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to bring it up. And then the conversation will become more peaceful that way than you going it your own way. So the best way to do it is the Holy, go to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I don't want to be in this. I want to be in your will. As soon as you do that, the Holy Spirit will take the will. He'll take over then. He'll take care of that person. If that person is hurt or disappointed, upset, you won't be harmed. You won't be stalked. You will be protected. So don't worry about their response. You make sure that you reach out to the Holy Spirit first and give him the will because you desire to be in his will. And then you will see how everything pans out peaceably. Even though they may be upset, you will be covered, etc. And And he'll take care of the new ones. He'll guide you from that point, but go to him first, uh, ask him, repent, say, Holy Spirit, I, I want to be where you need me to be. I repent for getting this relationship prematurely and not in your timing or, or with the wrong person due to whatever, whatever. I desire to be in God's will. I'm giving you the will of my life. Create an environment, create an opportunity for me to communicate, um, uh, for me to break up with this person where I'm protected, where they're, uh, they are protected and everything can go forward in my life peaceably. Hope to help. But however they respond, we know they ain't going to be able to put no hands on you. They ain't going to be able to hurt you because you went to the Holy Spirit and you a son and daughter of God. You don't got to worry about that. Stephen Ram says, hey, coach, the Bible says to do everything to the glory of God. It also says that our good works are like filthy rags. How to do things to his glory without trying to look good, gain brownie points. How do we ensure that we are doing things to his glory and not for our own ego image? Great question. Always consult your heart when you do something good. <clears throat> That'll let you know if you're doing it for God's glory. Like you can't do nothing for God's glory if you don't want to get to know God. You have to know God in order to know why he deserves the glory. 
the goodness of God will help you channel his glory to him because you know for a fact there's in him that you live moving out of your being that you wouldn't be able to do this good deed or this good thing without him. It's a it's a renewing of the mind. When you know that you're a son and daughter of God, that you are in his family, not by your own effort, but by the effort of his son, that his imputed righteousness is placed on you and now you're in right standing with the father. Now the only way you are doing good genuinely is because of the Holy Spirit as it at good work inside of you. Then when that is like the helmet of salvation, that's why the helmet of salvation is important. You'll understand in my book, World War Me. This this red book here, I talk about the helmet of salvation. When you when your mind is renewed in a fact into the fact that you are saved by grace and that you're saved to run well in this race called life, that the sanctification help of the Holy Ghost will help you. Once your mind, you got that armor on, that helmet on, then nothing can penetrate your mind to get into pride. Yo, you got that helmet is on you so tight, your head can't get puffed up. Your head can't get big because you got the helmet on. You understand why you're saved. You know what you've been saved for from, and you know what you've been saved towards. And that helps you to do everything for the glory of God because your head can't swell because you fully understand what the salvation work of the Holy Ghost through the, through the son Jesus uh, 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 enables you to have and do. So that's how I constantly give glory to God because I fully understand what salvation is. I have the helmet of salvation knowing that nothing can, it's, it's, it's sealed on my head. It keeps my hair from swelling and it keeps things from penetrating my mind, making me think that it's because of me that I'm dope. It's because of me that I am who I am. No, I am who I am because of the grace of God and the goodness of God that drew me to repentance on that marvelous day where he, where his goodness was evident for me to recognize and, and my, and my tongue couldn't help itself, but to utter out of, out of his, out of, out of my mouth that I need a savior and a saving, sealing work of the Holy Spirit sealed me and nothing can separate me from his love. When I'm aware of that, my head won't be puffed up. Everything I do good because that's the framework of my mind and because that's my mindset It's for the glory of God. And anytime I feel like I'm doing anything in me, I'm disgusted with myself. Man, what you doing, Josh? Getting full of yourself. You know what I'm saying? And when you do find your moments in there based upon you losing sight mentally of who you are in Christ, losing sight of what the saving work is doing in your life, when you lose sight and find yourself like that, you'll feel it rush up inside of you, man. You're you doing this in your own merit. So like you said, the Bible says do everything to the glory of God because he deserves the glory because without his goodness, we won't be able to do anything. It all says that our good works are as filthy rags. Good works in your own pride is what's filthy. Good works because of the Holy Spirit at work on you is natural, genuine good works. How to do things to his glory without trying to look good. Uh, don't worry about looking good. Just making sure you are good. And what I mean by good at it, don't be, don't try to be, don't try to look good doing it. Just make sure that you're good at it. See, my focus is not looking good and, and speaking good and talking good and preaching good because y'all know I want to be good at it because if the Holy Spirit speaks through me, it can destroy the yokes of people. I just care. I just, I'm just, my concern is God getting the glory and, and mastering my craft, being very good at what I do for God's glory because yes, God's glory, but God deserves good glory. I don't want to give God clipped art stuff. I want to give him that Adobe. You know what I'm saying? I want to give him that, that, that nice, I want to give him the best that I can give. The only way you do that is when you recognize just how good he has been to you. And when that sinks into your heart and that helmet comes in your mind, over your mind, you'll be like, you know what, God, you really deserve the glory. How do we ensure that we are doing things to his glory and not for our own ego or image? Write it down. I always go down to a paper and pen. Why am I doing this? And look at your heart. Like before you do anything, look at your motives. Before you move, before you make another step, look at your motives. And you'll be able to do everything for God's glory. Look at your motives. And if you're not doing it for God's glory, don't do it. Because God will never move you through wrong motives. So if you go in a direction and you know you got wrong motives, that ain't God. So don't even do it.
because God didn't get the glory for that because you have the wrong motives. But deep down inside, if you're moving in a direction because you've been moved by God's goodness, keep going in a direction. You're doing it for the right reasons. Great questions, y'all. You're so welcome, Christian Gray. Aline Collins says, hey, coach, I'm still reading your book, World War Me, and I love it. Thank you so much for reading. I'm glad. It is nothing short of amazing and full of nuggets of wisdom. I'm only the, only the second chapter perfect read for these next few weeks. God gets the glory. He he wrote that through me. I'm glad it's a blessing to you. Now, I don't know about the grammar. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know every, everything. You know, not everything's perfect in there. Dot and tittle. You know, the dots, and, but, but the premise and the purposes and the thoughts and the way he wrote through me is perfect. Cause I trust that he, he, he worked that book through me. Oh, let me get my, uh, all right. Next question. Let's see here. Uh, thank you so much, Aline, for reading. And if you want that book for free, world war me, uh, go to my website. I am unplugged.com forward slash worksheet. Scroll. Maybe you don't have to scroll too far. When you see the book cover, the red book cover, click that button. You can be able to download that book PDF for free. Lion Lion says, I just want to thank you for pointing me to the attributes of God and move something God is getting. If he be lifted up, he'll draw all men. If he, if I, I don't got to worry about my ministry is effective, I lift him up. If I lift me up and I start look, trying to trying to bring my hairline back, trying to be cute, trying to try to do everything, trying to, he ain't going to get no glory. But if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men. So God gets to go. Thank you so much, man. I'm glad it's pointing to God. Fan watches how to deal with lust in a marriage. Ooh, great question. Put the mouse down for that one. How to deal with lust in a marriage. First, you got to understand what lust is. Lust is an overbearing desire for something. Lust is not just reserved for sexual things. You can lust for money and entitled that is greed. Uh, you can lust for position. You can lust for whatever. When it comes to sexual lust, you have to understand that it boils down to the mind. See, pornography perverts the mind. Perverted sex, like pornography is a weapon. See, when you when you look at um, the things of this world, not just sin, not just things we shouldn't do, these are weapons. These are weapons because they understand that pornography warps the mind. It creates false expectations of the mind. Now you lust after your wife, you lust after your husband, and you can't make love. Do you know how hard it is to make love and how easy it is to make lust? It's easy to make lust because by default, we lust for creatures. Making love is, is hard to do because making love is a mindset. Make because because your wife ain't gonna always look great. What I mean by that, she's not gonna always look how uh, uh everything that you may aesthetically want. Your husband ain't gonna always look good. Your husband, you're gonna see his belly out, you know what I'm saying? You're gonna see him and it's uh, it is worse. You're gonna see your wife at her worst. What I mean by worse, not at their best in regards to fully adorned. So when you understand love making is from the heart, love making is gene, love making is from God. And so if you in lust, it's because something has infused your mind to think above lust, love's limits. It's caused you to think, well, well, she don't do it like this and he don't do it like that. Or, or if only if my wife did this, if only my husband did this, or man, my wife, my wife time of the month is this month. What am I going to do this time of the week? You know, or, or my husband is 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 things are getting busier now we're treading and 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 I will I want somebody to tread me you know what I'm saying and and when your mind start wondering beyond what love is then you in lust and how do you get a, a how do you get lust out of your marriage or lust out of your life to not taint your marriage is to see it for sin for what it really is look at your and say why do I desire this more than her why do I desire this why do I desire something more than what my wife can give me the only the only faucet that I drink from is my wife. And what I mean by that is 
There's no other woman that the whole, that God's going to flow through for me. There's nothing else. She's the resource. She's the faucet. Jesus is the pipes. The spirit is the water. The father is the plant. Woo! My wife is the faucet. Hear me now. Jesus is the pipes. Woo! The water is the Holy Ghost. The water plant is the father. See what I'm saying? That's the only route by which I'm going to be nurtured and satisfied by one woman. If I go to another faucet, ain't going to be no Holy Ghost flowing there. You see what I'm saying? So what you have to understand is that God brought this person in your life for a reason. And you got to get out of your boy and girl state and realize what the word of God says about love and love God. You got to say, why? Why am I fault? Like, like why? Am I, am I in lust? It's because you're probably uh, entertaining mentally lustful things. This world is toxic, yo. You, you can't you can't go nowhere without seeing Lulu. You can't go nowhere without seeing muscles. You can't. You, it's all around us. So what you got to do is you got to have a strong, firm mindset that's set on the facts. The facts is if I do go mess around with this woman, if I do go mess around with this pornography, I mess up my blessings. God ain't going to hear nothing above me if I ain't taking care of who's beneath me, who submitted up under me. If I ain't submitted, she ain't going to want to be submitted. So I got to submit my life and say, this is the reason why this shouldn't be in my life. Because if I allow it in my life, listen, lust sells, lust Overly market something, and that thing that it markets can't perform. It'll market 20 minutes of pleasure, but you done lost a marriage that was meant to last 40 years. You gotta count the cost. You gotta think three moves ahead. You gotta see sin for what it really is. You gotta count the cost. You gotta think three moves ahead. And you number one, you gotta know love God Himself and repent for any engagements and, and trust that you that you can't expect to overcome something one time. You got to keep overcoming. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, word of my testimony. That's how you overcome. You overcome that porn habit. You overcome that lustful habit by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That's how you overcome anything in this world. I overcome because the blood was shed. I have the power because the blood was shed and because Jesus seated in his rightful place, I have the Holy Spirit of comfort in me that enables me to do what I can't do. And I overcome by the word of my testimony about how God saved me and saved me for something. That's how you get lust out of your marriage, family. You got you to gotta honor your family. You got to look that woman in the eye, no matter what wrinkle she had, no matter if she still got stretch marks from the pregnancy from two years ago. You look at her through the lens of love and realize I was called to love you. It is not easy to love without God. Lust is easy. Love is hard. You need God to love. Hope that helps. Great questions, y'all. Oh, man. Okay. Let's <clears throat> teach work day tomorrow. Man, coach, I worked all day today. I worked hard today. Okay. All right. Beloved Nia says, the purpose of singing is awesome, everyone. How oh, thank y'all, man. I'm glad y'all getting these books and reading them. Thank y'all so much. Man, God gets the glory for these books. Sometimes, sometimes when I read just a little morsel of my book, I'm like, God, yo, you did that through. You did that through me. I look through these books. I'm like, I know I ain't right there. <clears throat> he gets the glory. <clears throat> Simply Inna, thank y'all so much for reading and getting the books. I really, I really appreciate it. Simply Inna says, so how do you handle being 32 and single while others are starting a family at this age and you want the same for yourself? Um, first off, you have to understand, God made your womb. Fellas, God made your sperm. You see what I'm saying? You don't, you don't got to worry about biology. 
when you and God. God, God, if Sarah can have a child at 90 something, you don't have to worry about your womb. You don't have to worry about your sperm. You don't got to worry about that. You don't got to worry about that. So when you understand that age is nothing but a number to God, that age that I don't care what the world says biologically or whatever, when God says it's your time, it's your time. I'm pretty sure the doctors of Sarah's day was like laughed at her too. Was like, yo, y'all can't have no baby at this age. <clears throat> and Abraham did what he did, and the Lord moved, and the Lord worked. You see what I'm saying? And, and she came out pregnant. So don't worry about your age and being single. I'd rather be single and get married later and not suffer the consequence of having uh 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 being being with Leroy, Larry, and Luke, and, and got them all looped in my life as a soul tie. I'd rather be single and clean and ready and prepared and get married at 33 than being divorced by 33. I'd rather start my family at 33 than to lose it by 33. So what I'm saying to you is don't worry about the number. You're focused on the wrong thing. If you focus on the age, you, you, you're going to be mad that the page ain't turned. You got to, when you look at the stage that God has you on, then you'll realize this is my stage this is where I'm supposed to be. And God, I trust your timing despite what's going on around me. I've been doing ministry for 12 years and I'm still at this level. I'm not mad about it because I ain't called to be famous. I ain't, I ain't called to to, to, to to the little gimmicks and tricks for my Instagram and gimmicks and tricks these preachers do. I ain't called. I'm called for the end times. When Corona came through, y'all listen to me. Y'all ain't, most of y'all can't even listen to y'all old preaching no more. Because they, ain't, they, they, can't, they, can't, they don't got nothing to say about the Corona. All they're saying is, we're going to make it through. Now, I'm trying to prepare y'all through it. Get y'all right. Get y'all focused. See what I'm saying? So I know where I'm called for. So I'm not going to envy another man's stage because his ministry got thousands or whatever. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm called and I'm comfortable in my own skin and in God's timing. The same is for you because the people that you're comparing yourself to, you don't even know when they're going to be through. And so I'd rather, I'd rather focus on uh, growing and being who I need to be than to looking at whoever else is, is receiving because, man, I'd rather get it and keep it than to get it and lose it. So how do you handle being 32 and single? Realize age ain't nothing but a number. God ha God has your womb. He has your uh, sperm. That, that It doesn't matter how old you is. Everything will work because of the grace of God. While others are starting a family at this age, don't worry about it. When it's time for you to start your family, God will cover it. I got married. What When I get married? I got married, what, 33? I got married at 32. So... And, and I ain't concerned about when when my when my kids gonna come. I ain't worrying about that. I don't worry in areas that I'm not supposed to work in. I'm not gonna worry in areas that God already worked out. When you worry about stuff that God already worked out, worked out, you wear yourself out. So don't don't think about what God has already worked out. You keep working on what God wants to work out of you, and then when it's time for you to be with your boo, you'll be able to get through. Hope to help. Thank you, Sugar Mama, for reading the book. I appreciate you. I'm glad the books are blessing. Angel Freeney says, good word. Thanks, Coach. God gets the glory. Y'all so welcome. It's an honor to serve you all. I knew he, he he preaches through me all the time, but this one right here, when you talk about idolatry, people don't talk about it. Last week, I talked about pride. This one, we talk about idolatry. Nobody talk about this stuff, man. People do. People do. But this is deeper than just the surface level stuff. Brittany Holman, I got time for maybe one or two more because I can't get past the two because if I get past two hours, man, the computer start acting funny. Uh, Brittany Holman, now that we are quarantining, is it uh, abnormal to feel lonely if you live by yourself and are far away from family? Does that indicate discontentment to God? No, it just shows you human. Now, what you do with that discontentment will show you your super, the, the super 
in your human. You see what I'm saying? And what I mean by that is it's not abnormal to feel a way, but it's abnormal to keep feeling that way when you have a new normal. You see what I'm saying? When your new normal is that you're never alone, when your new normal is that you got God, you, you when the feelings come up, your facts kick in. And what I need to encourage you with, Brittany, is this, is realizing that you're not alone and that now you have no distractions from doing what you know you're supposed to do. Create that second revenue stream. Create that third revenue stream. Ask God to give you new ideas. Everybody be asking God for more money. Ask God for a new idea that makes a lot of money. I ask God for ideas. I don't ask God for money. If I don't ask, I really don't ask God for money because he supply all of my needs according to Richard Gore. I ask God for ideas. I, I, right now, I got 12 revenue streams. I'm increasing each of them. I'm trying to get three more out there by the end of this year, right? Lord willing. Because I want God to give me ideas because I'm thinking about generational wealth. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking about residual income, residual impact that will, will, will produce generational wealth in my family. Not just wealth in finance, but wealth in mindset is real. See what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is everybody who's quarantined right now, look at it as a blessing. It's a blessing. Now you get a time to regroup. Some of y'all may need to fast, wean off of some of these chemicals, wean off some of these foods. Some of y'all may need to go ahead and just uh, uh, get that toxic stuff out of your emotions. This is a great time for you to start writing that book to create that whatever it is. Because coming out of this court, at least come out as at least when it's time to come outside again, come out with a new idea, come out with a new business endeavor to pursue. So it's, it is normal for you to feel feelings, but it's not normal because of your new normal to keep feeling those feelings. Deal with them, find the facts, and realize you don't need nobody quarantining and chilling with you right now. You don't need nobody quarantining and chilling with you right now because you know good and well, if he if he at your house quarantined and chilling, you don't want that. So you at least you got the Holy Spirit there. You good money. Hope to help. Time for one more and I'm done. Samuel Dye says, bro, I have a deep desire to be a Navy SEAL, but can't because of criminal record. I tried to pray it away, but it's hard to forget about it when God's restored. I'm sorry, man. I'm, sc I'm scrolling back up. Give me one second. Okay. Where you at, bro? Bro, I have a deep desire to be a Navy SEAL, but can't because of criminal record. I tried to pray it away, but it's hard to forget about it when God restored my mind. My desire to be a SEAL came back. Don't worry about that. Um, Ask God, how can I? Because God is funny like that. God, and he, he, You may want to be a Navy SEAL in, in the earth realm. He may want you to be a Navy SEAL for the kingdom. You have a desire to... I, I would research with the Navy SEAL. You probably know what Navy SEAL is coming. Ask God, what does this mean in the spirit realm? Because I, I I desire to do a lot of things, but I utilize the desire. When my desire for those things ended, I you I, I now find a way how um, to to uh, mold those desires into what God wants me to do at this next level. So don't sink into the idea of well, I'm not a Navy SEAL, but maybe God says, look at the metaphor I'm trying to portray to you. That like when Jesus told them, uh, uh, um, uh, not only will you be fishing. Uh, not only would you be a fisherman, but I'll make you a fisher of men. That was a metaphor. There was a fisherman by trade, but they end up becoming a fisherman for the kingdom of God. You may have a desire to be a Navy SEAL by trade, but God may want you to be a Navy SEAL for the kingdom. Ask God, what does that metaphor mean and how can you apply it into your life and utilize that desire for what you wanted to do in this realm for what he wanted to do, want you to do for something else? Hope to help. But I love you guys. I got to go. Hey, coach, will you make a separate channel and learning resource for end times and things to come? We are ill-equipped, unprepared. God has been dealing with me, sweet pea. He has um, to really uh, work on those things. Um, but uh, the books that can help you, World War Me, that book will help you. Um, 
You can get that free on my website. And um, I'm working on some other stuff, man. I, I got I got to figure out when God wants me to talk about it. You'll probably hear it more in every every message. You'll probably hear it more from me. Um, but um, as far as specific resources, I'm going to think about it. I got to ask wisdom because usually talking about those things, you start getting into conspiracy, you start getting into connecting dots that 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 you just got to be wise about. I want to have I want to have longevity, not like Jesus. I don't want my I don't want my ministry cut short like John the Baptist. You get that what I'm saying? I want to leave when it's my time to leave and not do something stupid uh, in the wrong avenue, the wrong vein that may get me out of here like John the Baptist. So there's wisdom in certain things, uh, but I may do something in uh, audio form. I may do that. And for the barely mentioned podcast, I ain't forgot about y'all. But a lot of I may do things in audio form. Um, that, that you can be able to get and download exclusively, maybe through email more so than doing it through channels like YouTube. Love you guys. I got to go books online, courses online, uh, cars online, uh, one-on-one coaching online. If I'm able, I've got time now, especially with quarantine. We'll see. Um, 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 what else? Uh, that's it. Books, card games, courses, uh, if you want to give and support what I do, you can do that there. Uh, support our mentoring program. We're, we're out of work right now. Well, I'm God still graced me to be able to work. But what I'm saying is, the kids are out of school, so our mentoring program only had one week, but I'm creating videos every week for them. Um, so if you want to support that, that's cool because we need better equipment. My camera's old, there's some things that I want to do better. Um, if you want to support that, let me know. And we may get if we go back to school, April, whatever. Or May, we got to get back in May. We may not even have time to do program. Love you. I got to go because when two hours start acting up, uh. Time stamps below. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.